Welcome back, everyone. I'm Dr. James Ahrens, the ADHD author and veterinarian. Putting the Suzanne debacle behind me, I developed a relationship with Martha, a fellow veterinary student attending UC Irvine. I moved into her apartment during my senior year at UCI. Following graduation, I took a full-time position as the x-ray technician at Grand Avenue Pet Hospital. It was a great opportunity. Being an x-ray tech at an animal hospital would look great on my vet school application. And I was lucky to land the position despite the fact I had neither qualifications for the job nor any previous experience with an x-ray machine. My learning experience was a hands-on approach where learning to take x-rays was a hit-or-miss affair. Sort of like what happened to Grandpa in Joe's story about dynamiting the outhouse. Silas Hissett. Silas Hissett was the first man in Sugar, Neal, Sugar, Neal, Sugar Hill, New Hampshire to get indoor plumbing. Where? Sugar Hill. Where and he liked, it, he liked it pretty good, but he didn't quite know what to do with that old outhouse out back. He thought he might tear it down and use it for kindling. And he said, yeah, I could, but then there's that horrible pile underneath it. And why? I don't know what to do with that. Well, some folks suggested he'd burn it down, and he said, yeah, I could. But then it'd leave a stain on the lawn for four or five years, and why I don't want that. Well, about that time, Silas's wife's half-cousin's sister's nephew, <laughs> Leonard, come back from Korea where he'd been a demolitions expert. And, and he lauded he'd blow that outhouse up. Well, come Sunday, Leonard's out the fam, you know, and he set his charges round the outhouse and he run the primer card on out across the backyard and on up over the stone wall. Why, the whole town turned out for the blow-in. <laughs> they was all hid there behind the wall, you know, so as they wouldn't get any on them. And, and, <laughs> and Leonard put a match to the fuse and it crept on up over the stone wall and headed on out across the backyard towards the outhouse. Well, about that time, Grandpa come out the house. He, he was getting out of his spenders and whatnot. Why, Grandpa shat in that outhouse for 38 years, and, and he went about to switch. So, you know, we, they all started yelling at him, Stop! Grandpa, go back! But it was no good. <laughs> Grandpa was hard of hearing. Geef he was. And he no sooner got in the outhouse and shut the door behind when them charges went off. Oh, God. You could just barely make him out there twisting... <laughs> twisting and tumbling amongst the debris. Well, the wind caught him and it blew him on down the south body and it being newly plowed, he landed pretty shaft. 
And, and by the time we got down to him, Grandpa was just getting up and dusting off, you know, zipping his fly and whatnot. And we said, Grandpa, are you all right? Hang on, he said. But it's a good thing I didn't let fly in the house. Chapter 14, X-Ray Technician. Graduation from UCI was a matter-of-fact ceremony for me. I worked the graveyard shift at the pet hospital until 8 and drove to UCI to hear speeches and receive my diploma two hours later. My mom and Mel were there. We came together for pictures, but that was the extent of my graduation celebration. I needed to go to sleep. I was supposed to work that night. I was offered Glenn's position as x-ray technician when he left for vet school in August. The x-ray technician position had a steep learning curve. Taking x-rays is a lot like snapping black and white pictures, but the radiation beam is more intense. A black and white camera gathers light waves coming from an object and places the incoming light stream onto film in the back of the camera. An x-ray machine generates photons with a high energy and shorter wavelength than regular light waves. This shorter wavelength allows the photons to travel through soft tissue. Unlike a regular camera where light bounces off a person and enters the film at the back of a camera, the lower wavelength photons of an x-ray can be used to see through the soft tissue. If a person places his hand between the x-ray head and the film and a radiograph is taken, the photons will travel through the soft tissue of the hand and expose that part of the x-ray film. Conversely, bones of the hand are too dense to allow these photons through, and the underlying region of the x-ray film will remain unexposed. The developed film appears in the usual black and white. The unexposed areas of bone come out white, while the soft tissue areas the photons travel through coming out dark. This science is just a gee whiz part of the technician job. The hardest part was learning how to position the part of the animal to be x-rayed correctly. When I received a doctor's orders to x-ray the chest of a dog in heart failure, I measured the animal's chest from side to side for a lateral view, and then measured it from top to bottom to get a ventral dorsal view. These measurements told me what to set the x-ray machine's controls at. I positioned the dog and snapped an x-ray in the quiet time between his breaths. Bringing the film cassette into the dark room, I opened the cartridge to remove the film, sending it through the developer machine. Lastly, I brought the developed x-ray to the doctor. During the first few weeks, I constantly needed to retake pictures because I missed part of the study area. Sometimes I aimed the beam too far back, missing the front of the chest, or I aimed the beam too far forward into the neck and missed the diaphragm. I needed to learn the exact boundaries for many different studies, thorax, abdomen, neck, skull, humerus, pelvis, knee, etc., all with two perpendicular views. It was a difficult job to learn, terribly frustrating at first, constantly reminding me I was subpar. The job did have some valuable perks I appreciated. The hospital management hired a board-certified radiologist to visit the hospital a day each week. Dr. Juan Gomez was practicing out of West Los Angeles Veterinary Group. He drove down to Grand Avenue on Wednesdays to set up special radiology procedures only he was trained to perform. More importantly for me, he was in charge of the weekly radiology lunch meeting. The vets of the hospital, as well as other vets in the area, gathered in the upstairs conference room around a big oval table. They were there to have their x-rays evaluated by a board-certified radiologist. Dr. Gomez sat at the head of the table. On his left, he set up a double-view x-ray light box, where he put up the x-rays about each case. 
He went through the radiological findings seen on the RADs, my new slang for x-rays, offering advice on how to pursue the case. The first day I worked with Dr. Gomez, he told me I needed to be at the lunch meeting. I said I hadn't brought lunch, and he said not to worry. Just be up in that room before noon. I walked into the group of vets sitting around the large table, deciding where I should sit. As soon as he saw me, Dr. Gomez waved me over, pointed to an empty seat on his immediate right, and told me this was my chair. There was already a sandwich waiting for me. Each week after that, I had a ringside seat and a free lunch waiting as I watched him go through each case, critiquing my technique, but in a real helpful manner. Oh man, did I feel supreme. I was so proud. So very satisfied with my situation, feeling I was a valuable member of this elite group. Not long after, Larry, the hospital manager, offered me a salary raise if I switched from hourly to salaried pay. I would be in charge of the radiology department solely. I wouldn't have to be available in other areas of the hospital to assist. Now my only job was to take x-rays, keep the x-ray room clean, and the x-ray files orderly. And they sent me to a weekend seminar on veterinary radiology to help me fine-tune my skills. Neither was I on an 8-to-5 schedule anymore. I just needed to perform all the job duties within my time frame. Of course, I accepted. Previously, I showed up at 8 a.m. with coffee in hand to open the department. But now that start time was relaxed, I was free to expand my transportation possibilities. I would be able to bicycle to work and shower in the intern's apartment. Martha's apartment was six miles away. It would take me only a half hour. I okayed the showering with Dr. Kraft. He didn't care. He was down in the morning rounds at 8, and so I was set. By the time I was out of the shower, daily rounds were done, office calls began, and my orders for radiograph cases started coming in. I worked straight through lunch to make up for my late arrivals and earlier departures. Everything continued along quite smoothly until one Saturday I received a call from work. The weekend technicians could not figure out how to take an x-ray of a bunny rabbit. I was asked to come in to help. I reluctantly agreed. I didn't know I was expected to be on call. When I got there, Dr. Acton asked me why I was working on a Saturday. I first met him during a midnight emergency when I was working a graveyard shift. A fellow brought in a Samoyed husky exhibiting abdominal pain. After x-raying the belly, Dr. Acton told the guy his dog had a twisted stomach. He needed to find five big ones right now if he wanted to save his dog. I was impressed and intimidated by his forcefulness. This Saturday, I told Dr. Acton I was there because the weekend techs needed help with x-rays. This is bullshit, the doctor exclaimed in his usual intense furiosity. You already work Monday through Friday. You make sure you send in a bill for overtime services. How much should I bill for, I asked. Oh, $40 seems fair, he replied. And so, I sent in my bill the next Monday. I was never brought in for reprimand, and I was never called back in during a weekend afterward. It's hard to find a song that eulogizes the people I emulated. Desiring badly to become a veterinarian, my ego thrived on every tidbit of acceptance and encouragement. In that vein, I'm playing the song Grandpa, sung by Mary and her bandmates, Joe and Rick. There's one from the Jugs. Oh, Juds. I always get that mixed up. I'm sure you do. That's a great pair of Juds. <laughs> we can dress them up, but that's about it. You call that dressed up? <laughs> Yeah.
Sometimes it feels like this world's gone crazy. And Grandpa, take me back to yesterday, where the line between right and wrong didn't seem so hazy. Did lovers really fall in love to stay? Stand beside each other, come what may Was a promise really something someone kept Not just something he would say Did families really bow their heads to pray Did daddies really never go away Oh, Grandpa, tell me about the good old days And Grandpa, things are really changing fast, and they call it progress. But I just don't know. And Grandpa, let's wander back into the past and paint me the pictures of long ago. Did lovers really fall in love to stay And stand beside each other, come what may Was a promise really something someone kept Not just something he would say And then forget Did families really bow their heads to pray Did daddies really never go away Oh, Grandpa, tell me about the good old days Daddy's really never go away Oh, oh, oh Grandpa Tell me about the good old days Oh, oh, oh Grandpa Tell me about the good old Thank you. Thanks, Mary, Joe, and Rick for singing Grandpa. A special thanks to Rick for his heartwarming, buxom-swelling introduction. And thank you, Brian Ortiz, for lending me your voice to my narrative. You bring my memories to life. And thank you, folks, for listening.
You can follow the story on my blog, jeadvm.com. I've included pictures, too. Once on my blog's front page, go to the menu, pick My Books, and click on Fear of Failure. The entire autobiography can be purchased as an old-fashioned paper book or an e-book, as well as an 11-disc audiobook set, or can be downloaded from the audiobook sites iTunes and Amazon. More details are on my website, jeadvm.com. Tune in next week to follow more tales of the soon-to-be ADHD veterinarian. Thanks for listening.